0: Thank you, everyone, who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, all it does is takes a moment. You can become a patron by going over to patreon.com slash Spoilers, signing up. Thank you so much in advance. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven. And you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the 20th anniversary
1: of Free Comic Book Day, a slew of TV news spawns spinoffs, Infinite Frontiers, Guilty Gear, and will divide by zero. Plus, this one summer, which is not, as I thought, a John Cusack movie. Yes, friends, we've come to preach about John Barleycorn, nicotine and the Temptations of Eve. So let it all hang out and hang on to something sturdy because the Major Spoilers podcast is prepared to blow your mind.
0: Welcome to issue 931 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Everybody's here, including the carrot munching Ashley. Ashley. You can find out more about her adventures in uh, food and some of the things that we received in the mail this week by checking out the pre-show. You can find out uh, more about the pre-show and listen to it. Oh, man, it's about 25 minutes this week. Find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Let us jump into some news this week. The Silk television adaptation of the Cindy Moon character at Marvel Comics is moving ahead at Sony with Watchmen executive producer Tom Spazza. Spezi, speciali? Spezi speziali That's how I'm going to pronounce it, but I'm pronouncing it wrong. So I apologize for that. He's going to executive spezia. produce along with uh, Lauren Moon, who adapted the series for television. According to Deadline, it looks like Amazon Prime will be the final destination for the series. Cindy Moon, aka Silk, first appeared in 2014's Amazing Spider-Man number no. one by Dan Slott and Umberto Ramos. Ashley, are you looking forward to this series?
2: Oh, I love Silk. I think back in 2014. When I was only 14 years old and I started working at Major Spoilers. It was my first job in the United States. That's not a lie. Um, I reviewed, I think, some of the original issues of Silk in the Major Mm -hmm. Spoilers website. So if anyone wants to dig through the archives, you can definitely find my love of Silk there. I'm super hyped for this. I love the... Synergy of Lauren Moon adapting Cindy Moon, like that is so cute. Mm -hmm. The press Mm -hmm. material pretty much writes itself. Yep. The only thing that puzzles me is that Spider Man is going to Amazon. Now, I do understand someone is screaming at me, Well, it's owned by Sony, it's not owned by Disney. That's that's the thing, your friend.
0: That's the thing that kind of struck me as well is that, yeah, it's it's like, Why isn't this on Disney? And it's like, Oh, yeah, that's (laughs) Sony. Sony's got that, and so it looks like they're going to give it to the highest bidder, and that's Amazon Prime at this point. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: I, all I can say is based on Invincible, I can't wait to see more eyeballs flying at me.
0: Yeah, there you go. And, and that is the other nice thing, is that uh, Amazon doesn't have a strict requirement on ratings, although I don't think we're going to see an R-rated uh, Silk series oh, no, no, uh, land. No, 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 no. But I I think, you know, uh, you know, Amazon is looking, uh, how, how can we as quickly as we possibly can get into the superhero game now that every other streaming service has their own superhero show.
2: They, uh, they made a, they made a laudable start and someone else is trying to get in on that princess bride game, which ironically mm-hmm. I was talking about a couple of days ago. Saban films, you know, them, uh, yeah. power Rangers fame,
0: mighty has morphin power up. Rangers. That's that's not right. That's no,
2: I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it goes. Has <laughs> Don't encourage him. <laughs> Saban. Picked up the North American rights to The Hyperians*, a great name, an indie superhero movie headed by Carrie Elways. You was, I don't know how to say your last name, sir. Hyperions, written and directed by John McDonald, tells the tale of the Titan badge, which gives human beings one particular superpower, kind of like a dial H moment. Mm-hmm. It looks like the story will take place in the 1960s and the late 70s. Very cool. Saban Films plans to release The Hyperions in theaters. February 2020. So gird yourself, my friends.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting because having just watched uh, Jupiter's Legacy, where you're dealing with legacy heroes and uh, you know their parental figures and and dealing with that, that's kind of from what I gather from this Hyperion's write up, that's kind of what's going on here, where uh, you know the guy who played uh, uh, the uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. In The Princess Bride, he plays this professor. And that dude from Saw. Yeah. He, uh, in the 1960s, he comes up with this Titan badge, which gives these human beings a particular superpower. And then the story, you know, he gathers these kids together and he forms kind of a familiar familial unit with them, almost like Umbrella Academy almost. But then all over time, you know, families fall apart. And then we jump to the 1970s, late 1970s. And um, the heroes want their badges back. As uh, as uh, he's given them to a new crop of superheroes, so maybe some jumping back and forth in time, some family issue type stuff. Uh, I I feel a lot of uh, Jupiter's Legacy meeting Umbrella Academy in this series, or in this movie. So that's that's an observation. February twenty twenty two is when that thing is going to arrive. Which man, that seems like a mighty fast time to get something into theaters.
2: Oh yeah. Well, sometimes these announcements come out when things are further down the pike. Yeah. True. Like I'm betting this is cast and shooting right now. Yeah, that it's got to come out in February because even if it's got a very small post, like if it's something like Arrow, if it's more grounded, which it seems like it might be, Mm -hmm. um, that's still where most of your production time is going to be. So.
0: Yeah. Um. I. uh, Yeah. They've. I like that they are waiting until now to announce it. Uh, with a very short lead-up time, as opposed to three years ago, we announced uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and now we've, had to, now we've had to shift it 27 times, so there you go. Uh, let's get back into the world of comic books, though, Rodrigo.
3: Yeah, according to Diamond Comic Distributors, Free Comic Book Day's 20th anniversary will be sponsored by Coca-Cola. As the presenting sp- sponsor, you will find the Coke lo- logo on much of the promotional material. Free comic book day 2021 takes place on Saturday, August 14th.
0: I am really surprised that it's taken diamond 20 years to get a spot, a corporate sponsor for this thing. Uh, It's also in a weird time when it's not falling on the regular free comic book day, which is the first Saturday in May. And they haven't said where that Coke logo is going to be at. Uh, I don't think it's going to be on the comic books themselves. I hope Uh,
1: it's on all the heroes chests.
0: Yeah, that would be funny. Uh, But they did. They did seem to say that it's going to be on the promotional materials, but not on the comics. But I would not be surprised if we didn't see a Coke logo slapped on a couple of these uh, comics as well.
3: Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll they'll offer that additionally to the individual companies. It is weird to have and really an additional corporate sponsor to free comic book day because basically Diamond is the sponsor.
0: Right. And and, and the um, comic book publishers, too, because they're the ones that are taking the cut on this.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's like kind of retroactively seems to be in much better faith than now that there's a corporate sponsor. Like anytime a corporate sponsor walks in, you have to start asking questions, right? It's like it used to be like there could have been some like slightly more questionable content on a, a free comic book day comic. But now that Coke is involved, are they going to say, well, you can't have this or that? in your free comic book day comics, it, it things get tense when there's a sponsor involved.
0: Yeah. It also brings into the question of because they have a sponsor, does this mean the comics are actually free and you're not having to buy like three comic books to get one free, <laughs> free comic uh-huh. book day?
2: Absolutely not. I'm going to bet that this means because <laughs> something that we bring up here frequently is retailers actually do have to purchase their free yeah. comic book day comics. Yeah. Cause someone has to pay the printers. Um, I'm going to bet you that that cost goes up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. I I, I really kind of want to see how this plays out. I think the main reason why it's included in this week's show is because we know that Diamond has had a lot of problems with, um, you know, in the last year uh, and especially losing some big clients. And so having to bring in a sponsor may indicate some other things that are of a concern for me. Matthew, what what's, uh, what's our final thoughts uh, uh, in the news this week?
1: Well, you know what I'm concerned about. Decepticons. I mean, one time I was sitting there, I was in the kitchen. I laughed. The toaster laughed. I shot the toaster. Nonetheless, the transformers series is back taking on the beast wars. Uh, Now here's the thing about beast wars. They're slightly different, but still the same next installment is going to be set in 1994 rise of the beasts in New York city and feature two new human characters because that's who we care about. Uh, According to variety though, Bumblebee will be returning to the film and there's going to be a focus on Optimus Prime's origin story and his arrival on Earth. Uh, and you say to me, is Peter Cullen back? Peter Cullen is back. He's expected to reprise his role as Optimus Prime. And if he doesn't, we riot. Transformers colon Rise of the Beast arriving June 24th of 2022.
0: Yeah, very cool. Uh, looking forward to this. This was uh, announced today during the, um, who is this, uh, Paramount's uh, big deal that was going on. So um, I guess... Seventh Transformers movie, and now Matthew's finally excited. What about you, Rodrigo. <laughs>
3: um, I mean, I never saw Bumblebee, but it did seem like a much more like under control and restrained story from what I've from what I've gathered. So
1: it's more transformery,
3: Yeah, it's that's good. Obviously, as a uh, fan of uh, the the Beast Wars show, I can tell you this has like absolutely nothing to do with Beast Wars. Um, but you know, Rise of the Beasts is a fun title.
0: You you, you mean it's not going to Optimus Prime's origin story? Isn't uh, Optimus Primate? No, come on. Uh,
3: well, so uh, this is how they could link it because uh, the like Beast Wars, the show actually does like at some point the 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 Beast Wars ca- characters unearth the Ark, mm-hmm. right? So, so like that, that could be a thing, but it's definitely not going to be a thing if it's set in 1994.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it depends on how you look at the time frame. I mean, obviously, hopefully your whole Megatronus and Optimus Primate thing could happen at any time. Sure. And then of course, have your main action in 1994. The thing that I enjoyed about Bumblebee was that it was an 80s period piece film. Right. And it felt like, You know, it was it was more in keeping with the G1 Transformers uh, old school that I remember. So if we can get something that has, you know, a similar vibe, but set in another decade, it I think it'd make a good movie. I think you can have like your Ethan Hawke references and have everybody talking about Zima. Yeah, maybe, you know, we can say, hey, have you seen that the real world?
3: Maybe maybe they're gonna do to Optimus Prime what uh, Assassin's Creed does to its protagonist and he is <laughs> going to he is going to no not crash their careers I mean <laughs> <not assassinate laughs> it, I, hope. Yeah. I, I mean make him like relive the or or live through the yeah. life of I guess in this case it wouldn't be his ancestor it'd be like his progeny, but still
0: yeah well, we will find out uh next year coming up very fast. Listeners, Hello? what do you think about some of these stories? Here's what you can do. You can join the conversation about all of these news stories that we've talked about and a whole lot more by joining the Major Spoilers Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. There is a link in the show notes. Just click on it. It'll take you to the Discord page. Sign up. Get in. Uh, have a lot of fun. Or... If you are a patron over at patreon.com slash major spoilers, you can access your Discord account and link it to the Patreon page, and then you will unlock a bunch of secret channels, which will allow you to, you know, get access to other things, including the live recording of the Dueling Review podcast that we record Thursday nights, 8 o'clock p.m. You can find out more about linking your Discord and your Patreon accounts together by going to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Let us jump into some reviews right now. And I think, Ashley, um, this is the brand new movie that just came out uh, this past weekend. Disney Pixar's Luca uh, on Disney Plus. I don't know if it hit the theaters or not, but uh, everyone in the house had a chance to watch it here. And I'm curious what your thoughts were on Luca.
2: Yeah, so... I didn't know anything about Luca going into it because I will pretty much give Pixar a blank check and go see anything that they have made. Not Mm -hmm. that I have absolutely loved everything that they've made, but they've earned that goodwill from me. Uh, Luca is set in uh, vaguely fantasy Italy. Our character speaking Italian. The opening credits are in uh, Italian. The closing credits are in Italian as well, which is really cute. Um, And it's basically... What if the Little Mermaid but a boy who wants to ride a Vespa? And the animation is really good. When uh, Luca lives in the sea, he is a full-like sea creature. I don't want to say monster because they're not very scary, but he's covered in scales, and he's blue, and he's adorable, and uh, he's a shepherd because Pixar is obsessed with farmers. There were farmers also in the opening of The Good Dinosaur the fish bleat like sheeps, which is very funny. And then when he is tricked by the boy he's in love with, even though this is Disney <laughs> Pixar, so they will not say that they're in love, yeah. um, Alberto into coming up on land, they magically transform into uh, boys with a good tan. And they're obsessed with Vespas, which is like a very cute conceit. Um, and then because we need drama, uh he gets mad at his parents because they want him to be responsible and so vows to never go back and him and his boyfriend Alberto go to the human city uh where their goal is to win the Vespa race with the help of a human girl uh and then they will win enough money to buy a Vespa i won't spoil the ending cuz it's only been out for a couple days um it's really pretty it's really pretty uh the voice cast is good there are some jokes but even though The Little Mermaid is one of my favorite Disney movies ever, and, and mm-hmm. obviously it's an iconic fairy tale that is in the public domain, uh, Ponyo is also based on The Little Mermaid. Luca's mm-hmm. very heavily influenced by that. I don't think it transcends the Ariel story. Because in The Little Mermaid, you have the stakes of, like, she saved Prince Eric, so she is emotionally invested in the surface world. And her father trashes her collection, which at at, at 16 is her whole life. And so it makes sense to me why, as, having been a 16-year-old girl at one time in my life, why she would run away. <laughs> and uh, it didn't make as much sense uh, with Luca, unfortunately. And I didn't find the uh, characters as compelling here as I typically do in a Pixar story. Uh, And Pixar movies, usually when you look at the animation, you can kind of tell what they're working on. And I think Mm -hmm. they were really working on the water mechanics here. And the underwater stuff looks really cool. Um, But I feel like I saw them take more leaps and bounds in terms of water with the river rushing scene and the death of the father and like the opening act of The Good Dinosaur. Mm
4: -hmm. Um, I
2: kind of felt like, and I, I watched Raya the day before, and I kind of felt like they were both just sort of like, a swing and uh, not a miss, but, like, a a bunt? Like, there is nothing objectively wrong with Luca, and there's nothing, like, objectively wrong with Raya. Like, if I was with a little human and they wanted to watch Luca, like, it's better than so many other options. But it didn't give me that, like, Pixar whimsy feeling that I was uh, looking for. And unfortunately, it's just a numbers game that the more things Pixar creates... Um, You know, not all of them are going to be for me. And obviously, I'm getting older and growing out of the audience. So I would say that, of course, if you're intrigued by any part of it, or if it being beautiful is enough for you, you'll probably really enjoy Luca. Um, I don't necessarily recommend it on the story merits. Mm -hmm. Um, The lesson at the end is you... I don't even have to tell you, and I won't spoil, because it's only been out for three days. You know what it is. You know how everyone is going to come together. And you know that everything is going to be okay because it is a Pixar movie. So there are certain tricks Like we knew the bear was going to turn back into mom at the end of Brave. What? Um, I know. Spoilers. Oh, man. I haven't seen that one yet. A nine-year-old movie. I cried watching Brave in cinemas with my mom. And she looked at me and said, it's a movie. Why are you (laughs) crying? And
3: she looked at me and said, rawr, rawr.
0: (laughs) I just looked at my kids and said, you know, it's okay to cry. You don't have to feel bad about crying in a movie.
3: And then they started
0: to cry, and he pointed and said, "Nerd." (laughs) Stephen
3: has to say that because he cries a lot. Oh,
0: I cry in all the movies. I did not. I did not cry in Luca, though. I will say, I kind of watched it. So here's the thing: Uh, the youngest, uh, the sidekick, he was Mm -hmm. super ready to watch this movie. So, like, I want to say he stayed up until it released. Uh, on the night of release and he stayed up and watched it cause my wife and I were tired. We were like, go, we're going to bed. You guys don't stay up late. And then the next morning, uh, by the time I was walking through the living room, uh, the oldest was up and they were watching is like, oh, are you guys just watching it? And, and the youngest was like, no, this is the second time I've watched it. The, the boy who's now 14, uh, got up about 20 minutes into the movie and just walked away. He had zero interest in it.
2: Oh, that's like a sick burn yeah, for a m- kid.
0: <laughs> my wife and I, uh, my wife really wanted to watch it. I was kind of interested in watching it. So we sat down later in the day and we watched it and we just both thought it was okay. I've seen a lot of people commenting that this is, that they're trying to make this a Miyazaki inspired movie. And I don't think they do a good job of that either. I, it's so. so funny
2: because I definitely don't think it has Miyazaki-isms other than yeah. it's. Definitely influenced by Ponyo, which is influenced mm-hmm. by the little mermaid. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we just thought it was, it was okay.
2: Yeah. And, and, and like, there's totally nothing wrong with just being solid and okay mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. good enough, but we're just used to so much more from Pixar, which I think is why right. we're like, yeah, like it was fine. Like, there's totally nothing offensive or even like bad about it. It just wasn't just wasn't in my opinion it wasn't magical so. yeah
0: i have a, I have a theory on that but it's a very unpopular theory so i won't share it in this show but uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys after we're done recording tonight
2: i was like uh, what a tease how dare i know
0: right <laughs> right so what's the final slices of meatloaf how many fish flakes are you putting on your on your meatloaf ashley
2: um i'm gonna give it three because it is really pretty and there are worst way worse ways that you could like spend two hours, but I mean, I can't give it anything more than that. Cause it, it didn't, uh, to quote the great Mari Kondo, it did not spark joy.
0: There you go. Rodrigo. Let's uh, take a look at the video games section of pop culture. What, what, what do you have for us?
3: Um, I have guilty gear strive, uh, guilty gear is a fighting game series. I think not a lot of people are familiar with it. It's not that popular in the United States, uh, unless you have always been a PlayStation kid, which I wasn't, um, so a uh, Strive is actually like Arc System Works, the company that uh, puts this out, kind of like their bid for a real popular game in the United States, and already they've achieved that. This is already the best-selling Guilty Gear. Um, it's a 2D fighter, so something like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Uh, it's also an, what is called like an anime fighter or an air dasher, just because of the, the moves involved, but it's a 2d fighter is really all you need to know Um, guilty gears traditionally has outrageous characters um, really amazing uh, 2d animation um, and just kind of like fast and furious a battle system and all of those things are present Um, it's maybe not as fast as previous entries but again if you're just if you're not terribly familiar with Guilty Gear, this is a very good entry point into the series. Um, graphics wise, this game is magnificent. It is one of the best looking games I've ever seen. Um, uh, Arc System Works, uh, if you're familiar with uh, Dragon Ball Fighters or with previous uh, iterations of Guilty Gear, have performed or have perfected this engine or, or this system that allows them to take 3D models and have them look exactly like, cell shaded uh, cartoon characters, you know, anime characters, and they will transition from a fight to sort of like the animation when you do your super-duper move completely seamlessly to like you watching a an episode of a cartoon and then back to the fight, right? Um, a huge part of Guilty Gear is the soundtrack that is also very good. I'm still kind of getting through it, um, but uh, one thing you should know is that each character has their own theme. So that's kind of why it, there's a lot. There are 15 playable characters. Each one of them has their own theme song. If you're plugged into memes on the internet, you've probably already seen May's song, which is like the 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 one that kind of strays the most from like Guilty Gear's um, like heavy metal type sound. Um, and that's kind of why it's become a meme. It's because it's really boppy and poppy. Um,
1: two of my favorite dwarves.
3: Yeah. Uh, they they're definitely a lot better at a party than s- sleepy. Um, so uh, the other aspect here is the story mode, which is very ambitious, but it's actually actually pretty bad, and that was very disappointing. Um, everything that happens during the fights, you know, with all these like incredibly smooth animations, did not translate. To the story mode. When you see these characters in 3D, they actually lose a lot of that. And they were clearly not used to animating like a cinematic piece as opposed to, you know, like you still get into things where like characters like reverse kinematics don't work, like their walk animations don't match the speed at which they're moving. So they look like they're sliding around. <laughs> um, and and also, unfortunately, it's boring. Like I could forgive that because you know, graphics are cool, but you know, how's the story? The story is boring. Um, it's like watching a a war movie or a, a disaster movie where you have characters in like control rooms um, trying to figure things out while you have like one character doing things. It's like on Independence Day, right? It's like uh, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith are like in the mothership and doing stuff. And there's like the president, and then there's other people, and there's like the other governments around the world trying to figure out how to beat the aliens. And it's like, that's great. Except when you get the Guilty Gear characters, which are all, again, redonkulous fighting anime characters, just like sitting there watching a bunch of screens. And there are characters that don't fight. There's also characters in the game, like out of the 15 playable characters, that aren't even in it, they're not even in the story mode. And it's like, well, if if I, if I showed up to watch May or Faust or Ramlethal, who was a big deal in the last one, um, and like she's not even in this, like she's you know Miss not appearing in this uh, story mode, uh, so that was that was a big disappointment for me. But the actual gameplay is really good. Um, if you're not familiar with playing fighting games online, then you don't know what a Triumph Guilty Gear Strive is because. It's one of the first, or or it's I, I, it, one of the only really uh, like high-end fighting games that are incorporating rollback netcode. I'm not gonna get into what that is, but it makes the fights, regardless of who you're playing and where, incredibly smooth. There's almost no lag. Um, if you are in the United States and you're playing someone with uh, from Japan, you might get a little bit of lag, but playing, I have yet to encounter any lag playing in the united states i watch a lot of uh youtube videos about the the game as it was coming out and people who had, were playing the beta and who are playing the game now encounter almost no lag which is unfreaking freaking heard of right mm-hmm. it's like mortal Kombat, tons of lag street fighter tons of lag guilty gear strive smooth just absolutely smooth so i'm gonna give this uh four sli- four and a half slice of meatloaf just taking a half off for a kind of a half baked story mode Mm -hmm. um but overall it's been a very good experience and uh definitely i definitely sit at work thinking i i wish i was home playing guilty gear right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you for that rodrigo matthew dc has a new offering this week
3: yes
1: so infinite frontier number one written by joshua williamson art by gervanico uh, four ninety nine 99 comic. Now, normally I would complain about a comic that costs a dollar more, but I will say this just at the beginning. Uh, this is not a spoiler. This book to me was worth the four 99. Um, this is a comic that picks up after the last big, uh, giant shmageggy. Uh, you may remember recently that the Batman who sucks, I mean, laughs, the Batman who sucks came from another dimension, destroyed the universe. And they had to rebuild it.
0: Batman and doesn't do that. The, <laughs>
1: the stories <clears throat> uh, that they told are now done. But at the end of that storyline, supposedly, all the crises were undone all the way back to 1986. And everyone who had been lost at some point in the multiverse and thrown off to the side is back. With the exception, it seems, of most of the Just Society of America. But this story opens with, I think, one of my favorite swerves ever in comics. A ship is rocketed from a dying planet. The planet explodes. The ship travels through space. It crashes on a field in Kansas. And a pickup drives up to it. And the ship opens. And Thomas and Martha Kent look down and go, is that Batman? And it is, in fact, Batman. Rocketed from a dead planet to Earth-23. And the clerk, the Kents, who are actually seeing him, are the parents of President Superman, and so it starts with a bang. And then we get the the scene that does make me, you know, laugh cruelly, where Extant. You remember Extant? He was the big villain of uh, Zero Hour back in '94. Extant shows up from his uh, time and space dimension. He's like, "Ah, I'm going to destroy everything. And then the original golden age, green lantern comes in and smacks him down in one panel and says, that'll be about enough of that. The, The majority of this story is how it's hard to explain because it's, it's, it's making a statement about big crossover events while also being a big crossover event. And it does it well, but it also does it in a way that I don't know how they're going to get six issues out of it. Green Lantern has gone looking for his friends and his daughter. Uh, Mr. Bones has gone to pull Checkmate, or not Checkmate, excuse me, the DEO back together. And since, you know, DC no longer has overarching everything in continuity continuity, this is not the same Mr. Bones that you're going to see in the pages of Checkmate working for a different organization just roll with it it's fine but everybody in the world is upset because at the end of dark knight's death metal they were full they were finally made aware that they live in a multiverse and there are other earths and other versions of everyone and then of course this issue gets to its pièce de résistance bringing back justice incarnate from the multiversity era which was another you know we're going to blow up the whole world which means we get President Superman and cool Mary Marvel and Captain Carrot. Um, there is one big guest star in this issue who surprised me. If you've read all of the crises, you will not be surprised by this character necessarily. They were dead, but you know, who hasn't been and whatever it is that they're going on about seems to be related to perhaps the original crisis. So I'm hoping that they're not just going to open a can of worms again, that they may be finally trying to sew this all up. And also Roy Harper is back from the dead. Four slices of meatloaf based on the fact that four times during this issue, I said to myself, Oh, holy crap. Did they just do that? And not in the, you know, Oh my God, I'm now going to walk out on a movie like Steven's teenage son, but more the, I'm an old guy remembering what it was like in 1987 to realize that I think they just killed Supergirl. Now, can they wreck it in the next five issues? Absolutely. Does it have a lot to do with the solicitation material that they claimed Infinite Frontier was about? Not really. But still, four slices of meatloaf for Infinite Frontier, number one. Williamson puts together an interesting story. I want to know where this one's going. Um, And I'm hoping that it's not going right back into Dark Knight's death metal. Colon, uh, movie film for theaters.
0: I mean, maybe we'll see. Uh, I, I know not. a lot of people are kind of excited about it, but, uh, there you what About Dark Knights. No, about, uh, Infinite Frontier. Infinite Frontier. Yeah. 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 Uh, something else that a lot of people are very excited about spawns universe. Number one, which apparently broke some, some records because it has pre-sold 200,000 copies. Uh, I guess people are really interested to see what's coming next in the spawn universe. I thought Spawn, about
1: Spawn for thirty years, and now they're getting a universe.
0: I know, right? Uh, here, I thought Spawn was like on hiatus, or they, you know, Todd McFarlane was too busy to do a new Spawn issue. But no, it's it's been trucking along uh, for three hundred plus issues. But yes, we get uh, Spawn's Universe number one out this week from Image Comics, and this is a double sized issue, so it also has a hefty price tag of five ninety nine. Um, if you haven't been reading Spawn, you're probably not going to know what's going on because the last time I read Spawn was probably Spawn number 24 or 25, probably 30. The one where Batman smashed him in the face with the Batarang and he had to sew it up like a football. Yeah. So that's probably the last time that I read Spawn. Um, things are still not good in the Spawn universe. Uh, you know, Omega Spawn is trying to do some bad things and Spawn is trying to find out what's going on and put a stop to it. And he's got a, a a cyborg gorilla that runs around with him. And in this issue, we get introduced to um, a new Spawn title, uh, which is coming out monthly, featuring Gunslinger Spawn. Have you do you know about Gunslinger Spawn, Matthew?
1: Spawn Slinger, yeah, he's a cowboy.
0: Well, yes, but he wears a really tall cowboy hat. Uh, yeah, that's sure,
1: he's a Spawn.
0: Yeah, um, hmm. there's also Lady Spawn. And, of mm-hmm. course, we get to go back into um, Medieval Spawn gets a, a little short story. All three of those get a little short story in in this main story uh, because they're going to get monthly series going, ongoing uh, from, from Image Comics, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the main story, though, I kind of know why I stopped reading Spawn back in the day. Not because it was too violent or that it didn't make any sense, but Todd McFarlane's writing is good. But there's something about it that feels out of place, and I think it's because it feels like he is channeling late 80s, early 90s storytelling, which in itself was trying to bring about a new golden age of comics. So there's a lot of of writing that is very golden age, but filtered through the 90s and then brought forward to today. I know that's really kind of hard and, and tough to explain, but... In one panel, he'll have a wall of text. And then in the next panel, he will have a narrator's box explaining the action on the page. And so that was a little annoying at times, but it's very competent writing, right? Everything in there was very competent writing. The art by Jim Chung in the main story is freaking awesome. It is gorgeous. It is neat. It alone is worth the price. Of the comic book. Um, wow. yeah, I just really love, it. I just opened it up and I was like, I know McFarlane was doing the, and, uh, Capullo were doing the art originally in, in the original spawn, but this, I opened it up and I said, this feels like a spawn comic book from the very first page. Uh, just looking at, at the, the art style, it was very cool looking. Um, but that being said, I'm not a huge fan of spawn. And so I know a lot of people are like, well, why are you reading this comic book then? Because everybody's talking Why? about it. So, well, because I don't like Spawn that much. Um, but Spawn Universe number one, I see what what McFarlane and company are trying to do. I see what in- Image Comics is trying to do with this title. And I appreciate what's going on. Spawn, though, in the end is not for me. Uh, just really isn't. So from my perspective, I'm going to give this three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Not saying that if you are a Spawn fan, you're going to find instant disappointment in this. If you're a Spawn fan, you're probably going to eat this up and you're going to be ripping out pages from the three copies that you're going to buy. So you can hang them up on your bulletin board or you're going to scan them in and make them your wallpaper because there's some there's some pages in here that would really make really cool wallpapers. Um, But this is just not for me. Uh, I was hoping for a new beginning. I was hoping for, you know, a new storyline or something in a new number one. This isn't a jumping on point, I, I guess, is what my biggest disappointment was. And so that's why I'm only going to give it three and a half slices of meatloaf, still well above average, uh, still a very solid uh, comic book. And if you're a fan of Spawn, rush right out in a buying Frenzy, because this kind of lays the groundwork for what's coming up in the months, weeks and years ahead, uh, at least according to Todd McFarlane. So there you go. Are you following Spawn, Matthew?
1: I'm not following it, but when it hit, did it hit 300?
0: Yeah, I, about you know, last in. year, I think.
1: My love well, no, relationship two years ago. With Spawn, is a lot more hate than my love hate relationship with Savage Dragon. Mm. So I'll pop in on Spawn every six or ten months and realize, yep, still can't figure out what's going on. <laughs> now, I think Omega Spawn is actually Al Simmons, the original Spawn. Yeah, and I then had... the new Spawn is a new Spawn guy. His name is like uh, I don't know, Silver Spawn.
0: I, I don't know. I, I didn't get read that deep into it. Uh, all I know is that Omega spawn is trying to find something and he's yeah. going through all the other spawns and he's, uh, yeah, he's
1: going through the spawn ranch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, gunslinger spawn. That was probably the yeah, wackiest I thing in the whole.
1: Want to bring about...
0: That was the wackiest <laughs> like thing. The in...
2: Skinwalker oh. ranch. <laughs> I mean,
0: it's... Yeah. Maybe, uh, gunslinger <laughs> spawn was the craziest thing because they're, he's chaining up all these spawns and he's, uh, what's the guy's name? Cagliestro. Um, he's chaining him up in, in this dungeon. And so he's chaining up the, the current spawn and next to him is this other guy, gunslinger spawn. He's got this dopey ass, uh, cowboy hat on. And I'm just <laughs> looking at it and laughing and going, okay, there you go. There you yeah, go. I,
3: definitely a gunslinger spawn is a character that makes a lot more sense. If you see him drawn in McFarlane style, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. where, where like things are a lot more like exaggerated and rectangular. If you try to do like a little bit more like kind of true to life, style is like yeah that guy has a 47 gallon hat
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of silly but yeah there you go uh listeners if you want to check out some more reviews then you want to head over to our website majorspoilers.com where we have reviews popping up every single day of every the week day of the week uh also what's another thing that i can talk to you about oh hey listen if you are a patron We are getting ready to not uh, during the month of July, but anyone who signs up in the month of July at the T-shirt level, you will be getting a brand new T-shirt. We have yearly exclusive T-shirts that only are are given to uh, patrons who sign up during that year at the set level. Uh, The design looks really cool. We've got 15 years worth of major spoiler stuff, and we're celebrating it in the next T-shirt That will be arriving in your doors in August. For those of you who are patrons at that level, find out more by going to patreon.com slash major spoilers, sign up and get your very own 15th anniversary t-shirt coming up. And it's, it's just part of, we just, it doesn't cost you anything extra. You just sign up at that level, pay for your full month and we'll send you a t-shirt as as our thing. So that's, uh, that's what's coming up. Uh, Also what's coming up. Well, actually it happened yesterday. Well, actually I think it happened Sunday. First full day of summer is here. So we are officially into summer. We are officially into the beach going and the barbecuing and the uh, all the crazy She's things that starving. happen. The cheese, yes, eating the cheese, yes. All those things that happen during the summer, which uh, made me uh, go into the rabbit hole and find some comic books that are related to summer. And I found this one called This One Summer from Mariko and Jillian Tamaki and uh, it's a, you know, it's an indie comic from Groundwood Books. But this tells this tale about Rose, her mom and her dad. And every summer they go to their lake house at Owago Beach and uh, spend a couple of weeks there. And uh, Rose has a a friend that's a eh, year or so younger than she is. And they've always had fun together. Uh, But this is the year that Rose is, what, 14 or 15? I can't remember how old she is. But uh, this summer is not your typical summer. And this was a comic that I was not expecting. You look at the uh, cover art and it's two girls jumping into the lake and you see other art where they're, you know, they're swinging and swings and laughing. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a fun little, fun little book. But, uh, Ashley, it's, 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 I mean, it's a nice read, but I don't know if I would consider this a fun little book.
2: No, I would consider this a sad girl book. In fact,
0: it really is. I mean, why don't you go ahead. What, what makes this a sad girl book?
2: Uh, It's kind of sad for two reasons. It is sad. It's sad in that bittersweet way of uh, your first summer romance. um, Or that person that you fall in love with who doesn't live in the same town, but you're like 12, so you can't help it. And you still remember their name, Michael, no big deal. (laughs) Uh, And then it's also sad in terms of there's a huge story about like the loss of a child that... Mm -hmm. Uh, your girl didn't see coming when I, I first read this a couple of years ago. Um, and it, that's actually the thing that sticks with me the most out of this story. Yeah. And then a child, um, sort of coming to grips with like the other reality of like, in some instances, like that is the other end of like what falling in love looks like. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's just like reading it as a woman. I was like, oh wow, this is just sad on like every possible front for me. Oh okay. yeah. But it's also lovely and beautiful and poignant. But like, it is. He's so
0: sad. Yeah, it is. I think because, you know, it's it's one of those, she, you know, Rose comes to, to summer and she's at that time between, you know, being a, you know, I would say a middle schooler and going into high school kind of
2: thing. She right? is not a girl, not I'm yet sorry. a woman, as our sage prophet, Britney Spears would say. <laughs>
0: yes, there you go. She is in that in-between zone. <laughs> uh, and, you know, her friend, the Wendy, her friend is quite a bit, you know, I wouldn't say quite a bit younger than her, but, you know, not as mature as maybe she is. Uh, who still is, you know, exploring and discovering things and seeing the fun in all things. And then she's also, you know, so she's dealing with those kinds of things of, you know, this is what it used to be like. This is what all the fun times were. And then, as you said, she kind of falls in love with this uh, guy who runs the local uh, grocery store and uh, finds out that he's kind of a jerk because he got this other girl pregnant. And at the same time, we learn about the the parents are having some difficulty because of a miscarriage that happened. And so, yeah, it's just this whole thing of, wow, we are really transitioning from, you know, happy free times that you may have experienced before to what it means to be an adult and deal with adult things. And, you know, summer vacation maybe isn't always the funnest thing in the world. And so I, I was not prepared for this book. I will, I will say that right up front. I, I came in going, okay. this is going to be a happy, fun time thing. Maybe there'll be a little shenanigans going on, maybe a little bit, you know, like that one time when the Simpsons go to the beach and Lisa has her moment, uh, you know, with sweet, merciful crap.
2: My car. Iconic.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was expecting something like that. Not this. But I will say things get heavy pretty quick in here. And I couldn't stop reading this book. I was just like, I want to turn the page. I'm ready to turn the page. I've got to go do these things here in like 15 minutes, but I'm going to keep reading this book until the very last minute that I have to, that I have to leave. Fortunately, I was able to finish the book in time, but, uh, my goodness, what a, what a page turner. I don't, I don't know what you thought about this, uh, Matthew, but, uh, that's kind of how I felt is that what a page turner and what a, what a nineties feeling comic book.
1: I adore this book. Uh, and I think part of it is, I, I I admit it. There are times when you will say, and this is one of your catchphrases recently, I don't like capes and tights.
0: Oh, I've been saying and that got, for years.
1: I understand that, and I hate it. But the reason that I hate it is because capes and tights are, are enjoyable. They, no, they, they can are. be great. And I
0: don't, say, I don't say I hate capes and tights. I just say I'm not a huge fan of capes and tights anymore.
1: Yeah, which means I hate it. That's your way no. of saying you hate it. No, no. Things.
0: If I want to say I hate it, I'll, I'll say I hate it.
1: Nonetheless. This is a really great example to me of the kind of comics that I remember. You know, when when you talk about an independent comic of the nineteen eighties, you had two kinds. You had uh, anthropomorphic uh, animals who did kung fu, and then you had these slice of life stories. You had like Harvey Pekar's American uh, Splendor, and you had all of these books by these weirdos mm-hmm. who were, you know, weird guys. You know, your Harvey Pekars and your Robert Crumbs and. You get into a run of those and you kind of feel like you've seen, you know, semi-autobiographical comics. Or you've seen comics about, you know, stories that aren't really a big adventure arc. It's just a series of events that happened. Your slice of life story. But this one is so wonderful because I've never been a 14-year-old girl. I don't intend to be a 14-year-old girl.
2: I don't recommend it, honestly.
1: Well, I've been a 14-year-old boy, and that sucked too. But (laughs) after reading this book, I feel like I have an authentic 14-year-old girl experience under my belt. And I just love it. I love every moment of this weird stuff of parents are fighting over something. I made my best friend mad. I have a crush on an idiot. And the idiot's doing bad things, but it doesn't make me hate him. It makes me hate the girl who he did bad things to. And this feels, you know, it, again, I grew up in Midwest Kansas and I read this and I felt like, oh yeah, I've been here. I've been to this town. I've talked to these idiots. I've had this discussion or seen this discussion or overheard parents yelling this discussion. And I really just loved it. I agree with you, Steven. It is a page turner. When you pick it up, you want to read it all.
0: Yeah. You, you, and really this is something you can and should read in one sitting. Yes. Yeah, it's Cosine. only 200 pages. It's oh, but it moves fast. It moves fast because I think that uh it doesn't adhere to a strict panel uh system. Uh if it wants to have three panels on the page, it's got three panels on a page. If it's one one panel on a page with lots of dead space. Yeah.
2: Windy
1: of Windy dancing around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's so cute, I
2: feel so bad for her.
0: Why do you feel bad for Wendy? I think she's at Uh, that, I mean, I don't know, I'm guessing she's like, if Rose is 14, then she's got to be like 12.
4: I'd say
2: 12, 15. It's either that, or she's the one who was like us, the, you know, the late bloomer in Mm -hmm. the friend group, right? Mm -hmm. Like, particularly Mm -hmm. with young women, there's always like, and I was the girl who played with dolls for too long, so like, maybe it's me, uh projecting a little bit but she's to me she's like maybe the closest thing to a complete innocent that we have and she just gets like such the raw (laughs) end of the deal repeatedly and she's like i just wanted to have like a nice time and you're my best friend i love you so like like there's no guile with her Mm -hmm. um, the way there are with like some of the more mature characters because you're older now and you're learning how to you know be a bad person
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, and I think yeah, that's, wait. and I think that is the charm though, right? Because we get to see her trans, not Wendy, but we get to see Rose making that transition from Wendy to, you know, uh, the to the adolescent, to the girl that gets pregnant by the the scumbag of the grocery store to the mother who goes through the, uh, the, the miscarriage to the lesbian uh, mom to the old lady. And so we get the whole range of.
2: Oh yeah, you get your uh, full mother maiden crone, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and they all really, really work. Even the you know the brief moments that we get with Wendy's grandma, you're like, yeah, that grandma's seen some stuff, uh-huh. seen <laughs> <laughs> some stuff. You you believe in grandma? And I I read Wendy <laughs> as the sweet weird kid who just says everything that comes into her mind. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, I kind of empathized with her. I feel like I was, you know, that same weird kind of kid who didn't quite have the right filters. And you just throughout this whole thing. You're like, she's the one person in this who I feel like might have a chance of not being horribly scarred at the end of the book. <laughs>
0: uh, not, not, th- not this summer, but uh, give her a few summers. Rodrigo, you've been. Diary,
2: it was the worst of times. Yeah. Rodrigo,
0: <laughs> you've been quiet. What, what are some of your thoughts on this one summer?
2: Um, I, I mean,
3: I enjoyed it, and I'll agree that it was a, an, an easy read in the sense that uh, it does have big panels with few text boxes, but also it, it goes down easy, right? It's easy to turn page to page to page, and actually it's kind of a, you know, there's a through line, but it's episodic, so um, it's like today they're going to the beach, and you see the stuff that happens on the beach. It advances the characters a little bit. It's like today they're going to like a traditional local Native American camp, right? And you see what happens while they're there. Uh, so that always keeps it interesting because the visuals sort of keep kind of changing or or moving around. Um, as far as the individual characters, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel for these girls because uh, this book does a really good jo- job of portraying how you know nobody has it together everybody has problems and adults don't handle their problems perfectly right so um really our our protagonist mom is going through something really tough mm-hmm. and doesn't have a lot of support from the dad right so she she doesn't like quote, she doesn't really take it out on uh, on her daughter But the daughter knows that something's happening, right? Doesn't understand what it is and has kind of formed an explanation. And that explanation makes her, her mom seem like a monster, right? You know? And when you find out what's happening, you're like, oh, now I know what's happening, but she doesn't like, I I think this, this book ends and she doesn't. Um, So it's like, it, it doesn't get worked out and it's, You know, a a book like this can get away with a realistic ending like that, right? It's like you can fight with someone in your family and you can even come to terms with the fact that you're fighting and you can even um, have moments when you're not fighting. Uh, But until it gets resolved, that's always going to be there. And in reality, sometimes things don't get resolved at all. Sometimes it takes years to resolve things. Uh, Sometimes things explode immediately, right? And this book Uh, Again, feels very realistic, and the art helps that, and the characters' dialogue helps that, and it leaves you with a feeling at the end rather than like a perfectly resolved story.
0: Yeah, I I really appreciate the fact that there's not a resolved issue where it's like, "Oh, your mother and I had a nice long talk, and everything's worked out now, and everything's going to be fine." (laughs) I like that everybody kind of goes their own way, and it's just like, okay. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if the parents are not going to go, if they're going to go to therapy or if they're going to get a divorce or if everything will be okay, or if they're never going to come back to the beach ever again. And Rose will never see Wendy again. I just like that. It's kind of unresolved and it really does feel more realistic. I mean, it's a car. It's a comic book. It it feels realistic, though. It feels like something that you would have in a ghost world type uh, comic book.
2: I do think the name and the cover might trick you into thinking that this is like a Reina Telgemeier story um, who also tells slice of life. um, And is also incredible, but is writing for a much younger audience. So things do get wrapped up in a a more like traditional narrative sense. And then you get into it and you're like, Oh no, I'm going to (laughs) cry.
1: And you know, as somebody who came into uh, this age in the eighties, when uh, all of the stories were about uh, boys, specifically Caucasian boys. I really love the fact that this story is so overwhelmingly female-centered because it's about Rose and mom and grandma and Wendy and Wendy's mom. And the only male figures that we get in here are kind of weird remote, like the dad who's trying to connect with her but never quite does, And the scuzz bag kid who works at the convenience store and the uncle who steps in everything and nearly gets his head caved in when mom flips out. It's, it's something that comes from this perspective of men are these weird figures that just keep showing up and doing stupid things. And I kind of love that because i mean, Hey, 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 (laughs) but I mean, from the perspective, at least for me, when I would have been about this age women were these alien creatures, you know, there were moms and there were girls. And then somewhere in between there were these, you know, people that you walked around and went, wow, she's gorgeous. But a lot of the interactions there weren't necessarily fully formed because again, you're not an adult. You're just some idiot kid. Yeah,
0: And it's also interesting that, you know, how they deal with sex, right? Because both of the, both Wendy and Rose are trying to figure out what are they talking about when they talk about something Batman doesn't do. And what do do they talk about (laughs) when, you know, this other thing and they kind of know about it, but they don't know about it. And so they're kind of odd. It's kind of odd, but also kind of fitting that their their answer to all of this is horror movies where there is a lot of sex and people who have sex getting killed in them. You know, they're watching Friday the 13th and they're watching Nightmare on Elm Street and they're watching uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so it's just like, well, that's kind of a weird way to. To but, uh if you've got questions about sex, to have you watch horror movies.
1: But that also feels real. You know, my wife tells a story about how she went to her mom at one point and asked, actually it was her grandmother, and the grandma said, You're too young. I'm not gonna tell you. Right, that. right. And a couple years later she came back and asked the same question. And grandma was like, Well, you're old enough to know that already, so I'm not gonna tell you. Yeah. Well, and you I know, think that, that's that
2: weird what is the spring awakening? Where,
1: yeah. People don't talk about these things and they certainly don't in these, you know, weird little towns. That felt really realistic to me. That it, this feels so authentic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if any of it is in any way biographical, but my brain reads it this certainly and goes feels that autobiographical. Yeah, yeah, it does.
0: Well, let's talk real quick about the art by uh, Jillian Tamaki. I have not, I mean, uh, Mariko is getting a lot of attention um over at Marvel and DC and everything that she touches everyone's uh, very excited about. But I had not really heard about Jillian until I picked up this book and was like, oh, my God, the art in this is fantastic. And I just I just just kept finding myself staring at the pictures of them walking through the woods and looking at the milkweeds float around and everything
4: It's just gorgeous. There
1: are just there are sequences in here that are so beautiful and so incredible because there's a sequence that starts where they're talking about what they know about sex. And as they're doing this, it's just, you know, Wendy jumping up and down on the couch and she looks like a real girl. She looks like a little girl. She looks like, you know, your tween jumping around. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen this in my house. My kid has done this, you know, it's so beautiful. And then you get to the next page where she's dancing around and it's this two page spread no panel, borders, nothing. You just see her dancing, and it's this beautiful kinetic sequence, but it's just one. Sol- there's there's no movement, but there's mm-hmm. so much movement.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like the one uh, Calvin and Hobbes where they're dancing around. Yes. It's so beautiful. A- Ashley, have you read any of uh, of Jillian's other work? I know she's done Skim and Super Mutant Magic Academy and some other stuff, but uh, have uh, you?
2: Yes, I've read Super Mutant Magic Academy.
0: Okay, and is the art just fantastic there, or
2: it is very different it's much more like oh my god i can't think of what is there is there's a little like cartoon strip girl and she's got like big ink blot eyes and black hair is her name nancy
0: oh nancy yeah
2: mm-hmm. it, it's much more in that style so like it is that's a great that's a wild book uh it is a great book but it's ve- like if you are looking for more of what you get in this one so that's it's not that. <laughs> okay. Also, it's about mutants. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, re- it's kind of it's kind of like um, what if um Little Witch Academia, but a comic strip, though.
0: Mm. Right. Okay. Okay, Rodrigo. What did you think of the art in this?
3: Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think that it because it very quickly puts you in this sort of like memory place, mm-hmm. right? Uh, It can get away with showing you characters doing very mundane things, and it can also get away with just not showing you any characters, where you just hear, like, Rosa's thoughts, and there's, like, a whirlpool of water, or, like, some uh, dandelion seeds or milkweed seeds or whatever in the air. Um, And it all just flows perfectly fine, you know? Uh, There's action when there needs to be action, but there's not a lot of it. A lot of it is like people sitting around talking, uh, but there's a, like a dynamism to the, um, mm-hmm. to the way that characters are posed to the way that they, they do things. I, yeah, I, 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 again, it just like, it's really good at sort of putting you in this mindset that like, this is a memory that somebody's having. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes, I, when you approach this as an adult, it's extremely effective because we all have memories of being kids where something happened or didn't happen. And it feels like this book reads, right? There's, you don't remember exactly point a to point B to point C. You remember the important stuff in between and the rest is kind of malleable.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was there something about this? You, you didn't like Rodrigo.
3: Uh, Something that I didn't like uh no, not specifically, I guess um when I started reading this uh, a few pages in, I was like, Hey, I bet nothing happens in this book <laughs> right and and sure enough not quote unquote nothing happens right, but they they did it in the best way possible because characters grow and change and have conversations or they don't have conversations that's important to uh as well, but uh yeah, I I was just like, I, I started reading this as like, I bet this is a book where nothing happens. And like sometimes, you know, Rose will like go out and swim by herself. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm I'm about to be wrong. Something's going to happen. But no, nothing happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This book, uh, you know, this book is interesting because it is a challenge book. It is a book that has um that's been yanked from from schools, from libraries, both in Minnesota and in Florida, because of the uh, profanity and mature themes that are in here. I think they're kind of over. I think a lot of people overreact when they want to yank books off shelves. Uh, you know, the only book you should be yanking off the shelves is Mein Kampf. Um, but this one summer is definitely not one of those. Um, I'm I'm fine with nothing happening, even when there is something exciting that's supposed to be happening. When the one girl um, there's a girl that gets pregnant by by the dumb the dumb kid of the town and uh, she tries to commit suicide by drowning herself. And it's, you know, it's a very intense moment that, uh, you know, uh, Rose's mother goes in to save her. And we never get to see any of that in the book. We get to see the thing leading up to it. We get to see the aftermath, but we don't see the stuff that's going on. And I'm okay with, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I know some people might find that, you know, boring or lacking, but I think it just adds this other layer of complexity to, I really don't remember what happened. Everything happened so fast. I couldn't tell you. What happened after that? I remember what happened before that. I remember what happened after that, but I couldn't tell you what happened during that moment.
1: Right when you know, all you can think about are are weird details. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some stories that are about things happening. You know, some stories are about plot, and some stories are about making you feel a particular way. And this is a book that really throws you into, uh, for lack of a better word, existential ennui. About the things that happened to a, you know, a teenage girl on a summer when she was a kid. And what I really love about the art side of it is, you know, we talk about things that are manga influenced. The manga influence that I see here is that the bits and pieces we see are just as detailed as they need to be. So we see Wendy digging a hole on the beach and, you know, you see the sand and it's kind of expressionist. But then we're cutting to a scene of Jenny in the hospital and that is just absolutely photorealistic and filled with detail because it's one of those moments that, first of all, we're not seeing directly through Rose's perspective, Mm. but it's a moment that's really important and it's supposed to grab you and you're supposed to look at that and compare, you know, this is this real thing that is happening. Meanwhile, these two girls are having a conversation and, Maybe trying to, you know, save their friendship on the beach and it switches back and forth so well that you don't catch it the first time you read through. I'm on my third read through, uh, as we speak right now, because as we're talking about it, I'm looking at it and going, oh, Mm -hmm. I better, I better, Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, this is so, so so lovely.
0: Yeah, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful book. It's also won a lot of awards. It won the Governor's General Governor General's Award for Children's Illustration. It has won the twenty fourteen Ignatz Award for Outstanding Graphic Novel. It uh, won the twenty fifteen Caldecott uh, Honor Book, the Eisner Award for Best Graphic Novel, uh, the Lynn Ward Graphic Novel Prize, and the Rudolf Dirks Award for Best Young Drama Coming of Age Story. Um, all between twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen. Bottom line for me is this really is a I think it is a must read book. I don't know if this is something that you want to own, but I really think that this is something that if your local library doesn't have it, you need to ask them to put it on the shelf. Uh, I think that this is a book that you should track down and read. Um, I would encourage you to buy it because it does help out creators. Uh, but this is, this is definitely a must read book, uh, for me, Rodrigo, what are your final thoughts?
3: Yeah. I, as long as, uh, you're okay with, uh, Um, parts of this book, which involve, uh, you know, a miscarriage, which involve depression, which involve living with someone who's depressed. Uh, Like, I think that it, it could possibly be a very triggering to people that have lived through this sort of thing, but it might be cathartic. You'd have to, you know, sort of take a risk on that. Other than that, I think that this book really, yeah, if you've got some time and some cash and an Amazon link, you should probably check it out.
0: Yep. There you go. Uh, it's Matthew sad. It is sad, but it's also good. It is. sad, uh, Matthew, final thoughts.
1: My uh, child has said to me repeatedly, uh, they say, dad, your jam is entirely 14 uh, year old emo music. And I'm like, that's true. But at the very least, it's over like four decades of emo music. And this is a book that will make you feel sad. And sometimes I feel that you need to feel sad. And if you want a book, That's really going to fill you with that melancholy, a book that does it skillfully, that does it beautifully, that you come out of it feeling, yeah, now I can be done with my melancholy. Then this is the, I say rush right out into buying frenzy regardless, but this is the comic you want if you want that. And again, if you want to know what it's like to be a 14 year old girl, I'm not saying this is it. But I'm saying that as someone who's never been a 14 year old girl, I feel like this is an eerily accurate rendition thereof.
0: All right, Ashley, we are giving you the final word this week.
2: Okie dokie. So I picked up this book originally um, because Did you buy I was working. Were... No, it was not published in original issues. It was published as a graphic novel. <laughs> um, I picked it up because I was listening to the Major Spoilers podcast at the time. And Matthew said, if it says first second on it, it's probably good. And this was one of two first second books that we had. Um, so that's why I picked it up. And then I discovered that it was um, written by a Canadian. And mm-hmm. so for me personally, this, as Matthew says, very accurately reflects what it was like to be a 14 year old girl. Although I was a 14 year old girl. At a different time period than when this is set. Um, I don't know if Awago Beach is real, but it reminds me of this place called Wasaga Beach where my family used to go in the summer. So if you are looking for that same sort of nostalgic feeling, if you are looking for what comics can be beyond capes and tights, uh, um, and if you are looking for something that I think will inevitably be adapted, it's just a matter of time. This oh, yeah, most is- definitely a great example of that and, uh, TBH, I know everybody's economic status is different. Um, for how many pages it's very, very reasonably priced. So I highly recommend getting it, uh, getting yeah. your hands on it, checking it out.
0: A beach does not appear to be a real place because every time I do a search for a Wago beach, uh, the only thing that comes up is, uh, this one summer. Great. So there you go. Uh, listeners next week, we are continuing some summer fun with some general chats. So you're going to want to come and hang out and yeah. see what kind of things We are going to talk about uh, then, but until then, we are going to wrap up this issue. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience.
1: And if you want the full Major Spoilers experience, it's time to give us your feedback. Join the cool kids at the Major Spoilers Discord server to share your thoughts and reactions to this and every episode.
2: Or you can drop us an email to podcasts at Majorspoilers.com and you might hear your words on an upcoming episode like next week's episode, The General Discussion. So get your emails in now and be nice.
3: <laughs> and uh, don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash spoilers.
0: We'll be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. We'll talk with you soon
4: had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the colours of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus as soon as the comic book stuck I knew to kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm raven raving like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun, be in the Middle East With a king, santo, and soldier What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Wow, 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 wow! What a major
0: spoiler! This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.
4: You've always had what it takes to make it happen, and we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program, so you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by chef.